episode of Low Vision Technology, Haley and I will be discussing the various uses of different forms of technology used by blind and low vision individuals in their daily lives. My name is Haley, and this is my friend Chris. We do um, low vision technology podcasts together. This is a review of the first episode. Chris and I met randomly on a freeway made by um, one of my friends. Um, she basically had me on the phone and she said, oh, just hang on. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> I hear this gentleman's voice and I automatically thought it was one of her new boyfriends. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> but but thank goodness it was not. And and I'm pretty sure by the end of the phone call, and Chris can say this for himself, whether <laughs> if he was more confused or more or felt more awkward about the situation than I did. Because as soon as we hung up, I was like, what the heck? Yeah, I was like, what and then over, happened? <laughs> exactly. Cause because I mean, yes or no, did Morgan did Morgan, who's our, who's our friend, by the way, did she did she say to you, "I'm gonna add my friend on the phone"? Because she didn't say that to me. She <laughs> said that to me either. That, <laughs> that's the, that's the interesting part. And then over time, we we counted on Messenger, and after I don't know how many messages, but after a few, I think I was the one that said, "You know what? It'd be a lot more." convenient for both you and I to talk on the phone. He's like, yeah, I agree. So we just exchanged numbers and we've been cool ever since. We pick on each other like we're siblings. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like we do it like every single time we're talking on the phone. It's kind of fun. It's, yep. As he tells me, he carries a conversation with me way easier, so, which is a good thing. It is. And that's why I actually did yeah. this podcast. And that's why I actually did this podcast with me because not only are you in the blind and vision impaired community, you you know what it's like to have vision before you before you, you got introduced into that community. So it's, oh yeah, mm-hmm. explain a little bit about that. So I was not born blind. I lost my sight back in June in 2008. I was eight and a half to be very specific. I basically woke up in the hospital one morning and my sight was gone. The doctors thought I was crazy. They found nothing wrong with me. And I uh, finished my third grade year through people write, like writing down my answers for me in print. I had to hang on to people's um, arms and stuff to get around so I couldn't do anything on my own. And then through fourth and fifth grade, that's when I got introduced to the mobility cane. Mine has a donut tip and it has four pieces. It's a folding cane. I also got introduced to Braille and I met my first blind friend. Believe it or not, at the time I thought I was the only blind person in the world because I didn't know anybody else, but that all changed. So what made you you have that that thought of you were the only blind person? Because I never would have ever thought in my life um, that I would ever lose my vision because I had all my senses, sight, touch, smell, taste on all the others and just when I went blind the doctor thought I was crazy and I'm like oh who am I kidding like I'm, I'm the only person that's blind like I don't know anybody but again that but again that changed when I was in fourth grade in the same class and he thought he was the only blind person too and I'm all like 
you and I think the same way. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it is. It is. It is very good to meet people like that because you can have some. You can have somebody to watch, to watch your back and know what you went through. Oh yeah. Except for the only difference between me and him is that he's been blind. I think since he was two, one and a half or two. Mm. So he he. I wouldn't say born blind, but like he like grew up blind, but before he like met any other people that were blind, I guess I would say. And at the end of my fifth grade year, someone in my IEP, which I did not attend to, by the way, I was a stubborn child. I refused to go to my IEP meetings. (laughs) My a teacher in my IEP told my mom about this blind school called Governor Moorhead. They had a summer camp. Uh So in 2011, I went there. It was amazing. There was people that was either low vision, completely blind. It fe- it felt like a second home to me. And I wanted to go to school there. The paperwork took a while, but I got in on November 7, 2011. And I was there from sixth grade until June 8th of 2018 when I graduated. And I do not regret going there at all. So that school has, so that school is, a K, is K through 12? Correct. Has it always been that way, or is it, or is that was just a after years of time? I think it was that way. Mm-hmm. The only thing I know that was different um, before uh, before my time, of course, was when that Governor Moorhead was like college, where you would stay on campus all the time. You would go home on holidays and breaks and stuff. But now they let you go home on the weekends. So. Oh yeah, I've. I've been I've been to Governor Moorhead campus myself. I've stayed I've stayed there on the during the week and the summer programs that they that they offer. Yeah, they're they're really fun. It is. See back back then when I went, I was there during the summer program doing against doing uh doing evaluations. Right. And this is before and this is before it was savvy. Yes. It was just a um, not a, a training experience program back then. It wasn't. They didn't have savvy or nothing like that back then. But, yeah. But you still get the same experiences. Oh yeah, it's, they're very fun. Mhm. Mhm. And what was your so? What was your first experience with a cane like? At first, when I, when, I, when the cane was first handed to me back in fourth grade, I literally thought to myself, okay, it's a folding stick. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> like, honestly, I didn't know. And then I got an O&M teacher. She, she showed me how to use it. I'm like, okay, this seems easy. And then she just told me just try not to break them. I'm like, are they easy to break? And she's like, they can be. And I will admit, I went through a few canes in my time. I don't know how many, but I did go through a few of them. So was either because they, they wore out or because mm-hmm. you're too rough on them. So. so you got, so you basically got to be gentle with them. Either that, or just have like a little bit of um, a little bit more of a grip on it, but not too much. So, how how is a cane issue to a person? Uh, how is it issued? Like, like, what do you mean? Like, how, like, how do they get it? Yes, how do they get it? Well, you can get them from if you're in the school for the blind in your state. You can get them from your or- orientation and mobility specialist, 
or you can order them online. You can just search for um, white mobility canes on online. And actually, recent, um, not that long ago, about maybe a few months ago, my cane finally broke. I wasn't in the blind school anymore, so I'm like, how the heck am I supposed to get one? I'm like, okay. So I just Googled it, and there's this store called Maxi-8s. So, well, actually, I correct myself. I got a, I got, I got a replacement pouch from there, not a cane. I had a spare cane in my backpack, but I can get a cane there if, if I wanted to. But they're expensive. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not surprised about that. So, how, yeah. how are they? How are they adjusted? They adjusted by your height, or how does that work? So they're just by um, inches. So like, there's one for like 48 inches, 50 inches, and so on. And as long as you know your height, and you can and you can convert your the inches into your height, you'll you should you should be able to know how tall the cane needs to be for you. Mine's like, I got a 50 inch one by accident because it was slightly taller than me, but I need really needed like 48 or 40 something inches, but. I, I can still use it. It's just slightly taller. So if you're at the gov if you were at the Governor Moorhead School, would the orientation mobility specialist order it for you or your counselor? Uh actually they um I don't know where they ordered them from specifically, but they do have them like in store in storage on campus. The O and M teacher, whoever you have, would give one to you. Or if your cane would break or something. Or like if like the elastic snapped or whatever, and it's not usable, then you can like contact them saying, uh, "I got a um, broke the elastic on my cane. Like, do they have like do we have any available? Because sometimes eventually they'll run out of them, and they'll have to order some new ones. And I'm not exactly sure where they do order them from, but eventually they will run out of them, and they'll have to get some more. So, okay, along along those lines, what other technologies? do you use like as far as computers phones stuff like that i use an iphone 10 with voiceover i use a dell laptop with jaws and with nvda i use nvda for like gaming purposes and for recording purposes like this because i found out when we tried to do this the first time jaws does not work with anchor apparently but nvda does so I use NVDA for things like that. Charles is my main screen reader. I use it to like read Microsoft Word documents. I play the, the games I play now. Also, I use Charles with that too. So I use Charles the most, but I use NVDA for every so often. And when you and when you say screen reader, what exactly are you referring to? So the it's basically a voice that's built uh, that could be installed on the computer. Where, where you use the arrows, the mouse, or anything, it tells you what's on the screen. It'll say, it'll tell you what the cursor's on. And the name of one of the screeners I use is called Jaws. It's 900 bucks. Uh, I have the version where you can pay like a certain amount of money for a year, three or five years, depending on which plan you have. I have the yearly fee, which is 90 bucks, which is actually not terrible compared to 900. And NVDA is easy to install. You just have to have another screen reader turned on, like narrator, which to me is a piece of garbage, <laughs> which is originally on the computer. And you can just Google MVDA and then it'll, it should pop up in the search results and you can download it. And that's free to so, download. Okay, good. That's good to know. That's good information for people to know. 
yes, MD is free if you don't want to spend money on Jaws. <laughs> right, right. I understand that. Which program? Which one do you program do you use for when you when you're doing schoolwork? Um, I use Jaws. Is it easier? Oh yeah, they're both easy. They're both easy. There's just like extra like key commands with Jaws that MBD doesn't have, but like ninety percent of the commands are similar to both screen readers. Oh yes, I I understand what you mean because I, I have MBDA on my on my laptop myself, and I use that, and it is kind of, and I notice it is similar to Jaws when it comes to shortcut keys. Yes, there's just a couple different ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, like around the house, what kind of technology do you have? So we have the, we, when I say we, I mean around the house, because we have like at least like two of them. I have a Amazon um, Alexa device where I can ask for like what the temperature is, what the weather is and stuff. And it just went off. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I use that for like, saying like what the weather is or just play games on it and stuff. I have my TV that has a voiceover on it. It's not the best, but it's usable. I can navigate through the menus. So I can use, it talks to me in the app Hulu we have, but unfortunately it is not talking YouTube TV and there's no setting for that in the accessibility settings on the TV, so it must be on YouTube TV sound, which I think is kind of silly. And an air fryer that I have, it's kind of small. We have bump dots on it, so I'm able to figure out where to put the arrow and stuff. And of course, there's a bell on it, so like it dings when it's finished. And right now, I don't use the oven or the stove or the microwave because we have a gas stove. And if I accidentally mm. bump it, real real um gas will come out of it and that's kind of the same situation with the microwave because the microwave is above the stove so i don't want to try to reach up to the microwave and then i accidentally hit the stove and i don't even notice that there's gas coming out of it that's actually what my mom told me that's the reason why i'm not really cooking anything for myself right now again once once my mom gets my air fryer pack from the little beach cottage we have i can use that because I can cook stuff like pizza rolls, chicken nuggets, chicken tenders, french fries, the easy stuff. So you so you do have experience with that then? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when it comes to doing laundry, um, at, the, at this time we have um, a basement with some stairs that are apparently very steep. And I guess are in the condition where like, if there's like too much pressure on them or whatever, they'll break. Which is what makes my mom a little bit nervous of me going down the stairs to do laundry, which is reasonable. So she just said, just leave your dirty laundry at the, at the top of the stairs. I'm like, okay, we'll do. So whenever, I say whenever, because I don't know when they'll get that fixed, but whenever they do, I'll go down there and do my own laundry. I'll just have to relearn the basement because I only went down there a couple times with, um, with my mom's boyfriend's daughter because she's the one that helped me get down there. And it's actually like a hangout room. There's a pool table, the washer and dryer, the there's a little fridge for snacks, a few like a couch and a couple of chairs with a TV down there. It's it's, it's a very nice basement, I will say. And you mentioned earlier that you have a iPhone 10 with with voiceover. How is voiceover similar or different to using Jaws and NVDA on a computer? 
So with JavaScript Nvidia on the computer, you have to use the arrows. You got to use certain key commands, like for example, Windows M to go to the desktop and stuff. With VoiceOver on the iPhone, you just have to double tap, have like certain finger gestures to um, apply to the screen, and it's a lot faster. Now I did have a Mac at one point, which I regret buying because I did not know how to do anything on it besides playing a game. <laughs> The specific game I had, but voiceover on the iPhone and the Mac is very different because, like, you got to do like use multiple keys for the commands on the Mac, where you can just do finger gestures or use Siri on the on the iPhone, which to me is more handy than anything. So I guess the difference is is that with voiceover on the iPhone, it's mainly just finger gestures. You just got to remember how many fingers you have to use for tapping and or what gestures about how to get to the status bar and stuff. With the with the computer with NVIDIA and JAWS, it just takes years of practice because that's what I did and I got the hang of it eventually. It's not it's not easy as a piece of cake as people would think it would be. So when you when you're on your phone and you send an email or a text, mm-hmm. how do you go about how do you go about doing it? So you can do a couple things. You can use Siri by holding down with my phone. It's the it's the um, lock button slash side button. You just hold it down, and you would hear the little tone. And you could say, "Text mom," and she'll and then Siri will say, "What would you like to say?" And you say what you got to say. And if she eats it all correct, because sometimes she doesn't, then she'll say, "Ready to send it?" You say yes, or if not, you just say no and just say change it or whatever you want to do. And with typing with voiceover, there is three different types of typing. There is standard, where you just double tap on the letters. There is touch typing, where you can just drag your finger along. And once you find the spot where the letter you need, you just lift your finger up. In that case, you have to memorize the keyboard of like where the letters are. In direct touch typing, which I refuse to use, you have to like literally visualize where the uh, letters are and then just pick hopefully tap the right spot where the letter is it can be kind of annoying but i use standard typing with um when i type with voiceover and i use dictation also and dictation could also be kind of stupid because it would come up with stuff that you didn't even come out of your mouth so yes and with emails i go into the email app i compose and i just type in the email address it's best to type it out not dictate it because it will mess it up (laughs) and i just Go into the subject and message text fields, type one of need to type, and click send. And on the computer, I go to gmail.com to, um, and I'm logged into my email that way to compose emails. So how do you edit documents? So in order to edit documents, I have the documents titled, whatever they need to be titled. They're saved into the folders I put them at. And I would just go back into the document and I would just press the backspace to delete stuff or use this command which is um insert which can either be your caps lock or zero whichever one it is set for your layout but in order to use zero on the numpad as your as your insert key you have to have the numlock off or also just keep saying zero 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 and just keep typing zeros (laughs) so you can use insert right and left to go to the words you need to go to Um, press the number five to see what the character is at and then just press the backspace and then just retype something at least that's what I do. What, sounds like a good idea. What yeah. tips do you have for people? What tips do you have for people that uh 
new that are new to new to schools and are just getting adjusted to being visually impaired if they if they just lost their vision. Um, one thing I would say is don't panic, because panic is ne- panicking is never good. Just just think of the options that are available to you. So, like, say for example, if you're in public school and you just went blind technically out of nowhere and you don't know what to do, then do some research. Ask for some assistance to help you look for um for for resources. Like again, the summer camps for the blind schools the blind school school sessions the dsb which is in north carolina which is where i used to live it's called division services for the blind where they where they offer assistive technology resources o&m and stuff i'm in massachusetts now which i'm signed up with the commission for the blind that's what they call it and right now i'm receiving o&m services by learning my neighborhood and once we get back on campus i actually asked the, um, the teacher if he could give me one of my own college campus because i'm not gonna lie by the time we get back on campus i'm, I'm gonna forget where everything is so and for yeah, that, uh, that's gonna <laughs> that happens to a lot of people yeah and of course for tool for o&m tool wise i use ira which is a trained paid agent where they're on the phone with you and they can see they can take pictures from your camera they can they can identify stains, they can read directions on a box, they can do anything, whatever you ask them to do. So I have that. I have be my eyes. It's the differences between the two. Ira, you have to pay money for, you have to pick a plan and stuff. And it's a trained paid agent with be my eyes. It's free, but they're volunteers. So they're not trained of what they're doing. They just, they're just offer to help you. Now, of course, with Ira, the name will pop up or it says who it is and they'll see who you are because your name pops up would be my eyes, it does not. So when someone answers, you would say like, hi, my name is so-and-so, who am I speaking with? And then they'll say who they are, and then you just ask them, can they try to help you do whatever? Have you ever used any, have you ever used any transportation like Uber or Lyft? Many times. So for for traveling wise, I use Uber, Lyft, and this van called the PVTA, which is like a like a uh, transport authority um, service. The difference is with Uber and Lyft, you can just schedule a ride whenever you want, and they'll come whenever they can. With the van service I have, you have to schedule in at at least a day in advance because that's how it works, and that's how they're able to get to, um, to get to people who really need the service. And how often do you have the um, apply for that service. But is, it like, is it like every year or how does that work? From what I, according to my understanding, I think with the van service, um, you're you're applied to it forever, unless if you move, then you have to figure out like like what the service is called in the different state that you're in, and if you have to re-register, then I'm not sure exactly how that works. I think I think I would just have to look it up, but, but that's how that works. So from according to what I know, you're registered forever, mm-hmm. unless if you move to a different state. Okay, let's let's say if you were in a in a restaurant mm-hmm. and you and you didn't know what kind of food they had or, or what what like the specials were, how would you as a as a visually impaired blind person, how would you get assistance with that without making someone feel uncomfortable? 
So, in that scenario, I would first ask if, if the restaurant has a Braille menu, which most of the time they do not. And if they don't, and if I was alone, then I would use Eyebrow or Be My Eyes, whichever one I'm able to pick turn up first. Like to read the menu, I would wear headphones so people don't have to hear the agent speak to me. Or I can just ask the the waitress, um, like, like, what do they have for burgers? Like, if I wanted a burger, like, like, what do they have for that? And so on. Most, but most of the time, currently, I go out to eat with family and stuff, so I'm like never alone when it comes to that. Of course, I will be when I move out, but whenever in that what? case, I would ask like my mom or my aunt or whoever I'm with to like read like a specific section. I'm like, can you describe that for me? So. And that's what they would do. And then of course, I, I would order it myself. So like the waiters would say like, well, what would you like? And then of course my mom or whoever's with me, they'll tell me that they're talking to me because I won't know. And I'll just say what I want and that's it. Have you ever used CNAI for stuff like that? Uh, I use it mainly for like, for like money identification. So I, like, I can use the currency um, part of it and just read the bill and I can fold it the way I was taught. That's the main item, that's the main part of it that I use for. Sometimes I'll use the product feature. So like whenever I am like cooking stuff like in the microwave or whatever, I can scan the um, barcodes and if it gets it all, it can read the box to me. I'm not a big fan of the color feature because to me it's not accurate. So like it would say like black, white, blackish blue, reddish pink or whatever to me it's to me that's not a group so that's mainly what i use it for um have you used have you used your like your laptop to find the menus and use the, the um to use jaws or nvda to use the, the read the menus to you Actually, I never look up menus on my computer because it's like I would look up the menu on my phone for Safari just for like five or 10 or 15 minutes or so right before we leave. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Yes. But the annoying thing about online menus is that sometimes they're not updated. So, like, if you're like, okay, I'll get this. Okay, great. You go to the restaurant, you order it. I'm sorry, we don't have that anymore. Well, that doesn't help. Like, <laughs> you got. You, Really you gotta have the menus updated on your on your websites now. Come on. And have you had have you ever had, had an experience that has frustrated you with your blindness? Sometimes, where say for example, like if my computer's not turning on, or like if my screen doesn't talk, I'll get annoyed about it. I'm like, technology's great. So like, why does it need, like why is it not like why is it not working when I need it to be? Darn it. <laughs> so, that's one that's one thing and of course another thing is that like all the new technology for cooking wise it's all digital why is it all digital that's that's kind of a bit it's a little bit harder to like label things with braille or with braille labels or with bunk dots you know you, you get what i'm saying with that i mean it's annoying yeah i understand that exactly what you mean yeah it's kind of annoying if you ask me because <laughs> that's why i don't use my stove or my oven because i have it's digital here. This here in my house. Mm. I'm mostly use my microwave or my um air fryer. Yeah, the air fryer. My air fryer that I have, which hopefully my mom's will be able to get back from the from the beach cottage. Um, that one is very easy to use. Again, it's limited. It's super small, but 
Hey, I know how to use it, so. And how easy was it for you to to move around the new, the new place you're living in? Actually, believe it or not, it took maybe like like a couple, like maybe like four days or a week for me to to, to, um, to get around because because we, we mainly come in and out from the back door in the kitchen. So like I'm used to coming in and out that way. The front door, whenever I would come for the front door, I would I would have to think very briefly like, okay, where's the stairs? So I'm like, okay, found it. Now the only place I'm not used to is the basement because again, cause it's stairs. And the attic, because mm. I have no reason to go up there, and neither does anybody else, because it's literally just like an empty attic. Well, there's stuff up there now for for storage and stuff, and and this is kind of hard to believe, but the attic that we have, it used to be an apartment. That's how big it is. Like like when it was first like at first when it was empty, uh, my my mom's boyfriend's daughter, she actually brought me up there. We're just walking around like. This could, this really could be someone's like office or something. And my mom works from home, so she mentioned before how she would want to work up there as an office section because she works in the living room on the couch. But we have no electricity up there. I don't know why. It's either not turned on or there isn't any up there. But yeah, we have an attic in a basement that I'm not that I don't really go into. I'll probably go into the basement a lot more than the attic whenever the stairs get fixed. Gotcha. Yeah, but everywhere else I get fine. So. And with and because of this pandemic, how do you how have you learned to use your technology to be to be safe? So ever since the pandemic started, um, we went from on campus in college from like um, April to towards the end of the semester until now online at home. So for school-wise, I just go on my school's um, website under Blackboard because that's, that's the portal that they use. And I just go to my email, make sure I'm logged into it. And so far, I don't have any viruses on my computer because I get notified about it. And I update my technology on my phone and my computer. And that's basically about it. I mean, I barely leave the house because, again, COVID prevents um, anyone from doing anything. Of course, do people go out? Yes, but I have no reason to, so I don't. What tips would you have for a visually impaired blind person if they do decide to go out? How to be how to be safe? So I would suggest that if you need sighted guide while you're using your cane, either do a couple things. Either a have a bottle of hand sanitizer with you because you you will do physical contact with hanging out into the elbow. So just Bring some hand sanitizer with you or wherever you're going. If they have a bathroom, then wash your hands almost immediately. So then you'll feel more secure about the COVID um, situation. And just don't be afraid to go out. I mean, for me, what, the only reason why we're, me and my mom's boyfriend's daughter's not doing this right now because it's super cold up here in Massachusetts, but whenever it was nicer outside, we walked around the neighborhood. And it was, and that was really so fun. You, so, so, you, so you're basically, so basically you're saying not to be confined to the house, but find, find ways to be safe. Yes. If you decide to go out. Correct. Would you recommend always having a, having a buddy with you or 
how would you how would you go about that in my case right now i do have someone always with me because i honestly don't even know messages that well i would get lost anywhere because i don't do the routes every single day so that, that's my scenario but in general um if if you are the type of person that learns things really quickly and you're like eh, i don't need any help i don't, I don't need anybody next to me good for you I mean, you're you're becoming more independent as you as you need to be, but if you need help, don't be afraid to ask. Don't. Yeah, that's a that's part of the problem with society today. A lot of people are scared to ask for help when they need it because they let pride get to them. Yeah, which is which is not a good thing. But no, just don't be afraid to ask for help, or as or as we learned back in school and into this program I was in before I went to college, don't be afraid to self-advocate for yourself because people will not know what you need or what you want unless if you don't say anything. Because people can't read minds. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, but they can't. So. Right, exactly. So people that have, that are nervous about that, what tips would you have, have for them to get to get comfortable with it? So the first thing I would I would I would suggest is to think about what you like what you want to ask somebody. Think about like, hmm, what could they say? I mean the worst thing someone can say is, no, sorry, I can't do it. Then then don't get discouraged. Just try to uh, try to do the task at hand the best you can to your ability, or just ask somebody else. I mean there's always people there. Whether they're friends, family, or strangers. So So basically, you, would you have somebody like, pra- like do a practice scenario? Oh yeah, if, if, like, yeah. If, if like if you're really that um, nervous about it, and like you and you have like a friend, a roommate, or a loved one or so, and you're like, hey, like I want to practice like being able to approach someone to ask for help or whatever you want to practice, and if they're willing to practice with you, you can do that. That's totally fine. And how exactly does having a sighted guide work? So a sighted guide is a person that guides you. And um, you would have to hang on to them. They would not hang on to you. You would hang on to the appropriate and correct way would be the elbow. So whether if you're right or left-handed, you would hang on to the person's opposite side of the elbow. So like if you're right-handed and you're using your cane, you would have your left hand on the person's right elbow and vice versa. Don't allow your sighted guide to to um, grab you by the shoulder or go behind you and grab you by the shoulders because that will cause you to bump into poles or walls or anything that is painful to run into. Because I actually had that experience when, when we were on campus in college. One student, when she was guiding me, I was still using my cane, keep in mind. Still use your cane while you're doing it by, by doing the guiding and stuff. Right. But the person, she took, grabbed me by the shoulders, and we were walking, and I was about to say, may I please grab your elbow instead, but before I said it, I bumped into a pole. I probably had a bruise on my forehead that oh, day, right. but the student felt horrible. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's all right. May I please grab your elbow instead? She's like, yes, of course. I'm so sorry. Like, she felt so bad. Again, I don't know if I had a bruise on my forehead that day or not. I'm pretty sure I did, but I was used to that by now. I mean, it hurts for like five seconds because 
I don't think you'd be laughing if you hit your head on something. <laughs> oh no. I don't think you would. So she did. Nope. So she basically didn't know the didn't know the technique, the proper technique of how to do that. Yeah, basically. Um, a lot of students and staff they're not sure of how to do that because they were like they never like had to guide a blind person before. So they're uh-huh. like, I'm not sure how to do that. I would not mind showing them. I would show them, hey, you do it like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they would do it and then it would be fine. So when did you first start learning about orientation and mobility and how to do sighted guide? Um, back in fourth grade, when I first got my first cane, that's when I learned about orientation and mobility for the very beginning. And when I went, and actually even before the blind school, my my one of my friends who cited by the way, who I met in Sherwood, that's the elementary school I was in at the time. She I don't remember how it happened, but we just automatically I just grabbed onto her elbow and it seemed to work fine. And then when we were in when I was in the blind school, we were learning about sighted guide about, okay, this is how a sighted person would do sighted guide with you. I'm like, okay, so I've done that before. It's really not hard. It's really not hard, guys. <laughs> And during the, in, and in this pandemic, would you recommend the sighted guy to have what, like one of those arm sleeves? I mean, you know yeah, um, I would, again, it, it's it's up to the person that's guiding you. It's up to you. I mean, if you guys, if you both feel like, okay, I want to be extremely safe. So I'll either wear gloves or the person can wear something in their arm or something. Just, I mean, for me, I don't do that. I don't do that. Like as, as soon as I get home, I either wash my hands or, or something. I mean, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me, because I'm wearing my mask not in public. So so I'm okay. Right. Right. So basically, you're saying it's the per- person's preference. Yes, it's the person's preference between the person, the um, blind or visually impaired individual, and the person and the person that's guiding them. But of course, the preference from the blind or visually impaired person comes first, because they're the ones being guided. So. And what tips would you have for a person that's that's going going through transition from let's say high school to college to get to get the information and the, and the technology that they need? Well, I'll say this: high school is definitely not the same. High school, ugh, I'm sorry. College is not the same as high school. It's not. It's totally different. The the professors are more strict. There's deadlines and stuff. There's there's a bunch of things. So if you're nervous about deadlines, talk to your professors. Explain how you can manage that. Because whether if you're studying or not, it could it could um increase your stress level. I would say. So so communicate with your peers, whether if it's your classmates, your professors, or any department that you need to get the specific information from, and they're there to help. They will help you out every step, every step of the way. So, would would you recommend that student to go through training at the Governor Moorhead School first, then go, then going to the going to college? If you're in North Carolina and if you're born blind, or if you or if you just one day lose your sight, if you're still in school, then yes, I would consider at least doing the short term sessions, which is just a week long, or doing the summer camp sessions before you decide to go to school there, or if you're in any other state, 
check out the, check out the programs, the short-term programs, the summer camp sessions or whatever, and attend those if you like them. But go there for school. Cause yeah, I would I, definitely. I'm glad I did it. I would definitely do like. But it made it made a difference. Oh yeah, it definitely did. I would have had a rough time in, in public high school. I'm pretty sure. Like, I would definitely make sure to do my re- do my research and go to like open house events that they have. If they once the once the pandemic is over with. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there like of course there's an open house at the beginning of the school year. There's um, the summer camp sessions, the short term sessions, and you can even decide if you want to go to the to the um, specific school by participating in the sport events. The the musical events because you're going to other blind schools to perform and stuff so you're like ah, I like it here then you, you can switch so ba- so if you wanted to right so basically the main tip is to research your state uh, schools as if they have any th- what resources they have for blind and visually impaired people yes And if they would you recommend them signing up to get a to get a home counselor through like a VR program, which is vocational re- rehabilitation or whatever kind of program? Yes, I would definitely recommend those because when you're not in school anymore, they could still um, work with you. They can still um, help you come up with goals or or certain resources that you need. Like like for me, for example, I have a um a VR counselor through the commission now. Ever like ever since I was able to connect with them and be registered with them, I have a counselor with them. And of course, they would suggest like the instructors for the tech um tech te- um, technology referrals and the O and M um teacher and things. So you can get a lot of connections for people. Yeah, that that's definitely true because the. The vocational rehabilitation counselor I work with, I've got connected through this company called Easter Seals, which they give they provide job coaches for for students with disabilities. They and they help you look, they help you fill out applications. They go to you on the interviews, and they're they'll be there for the for the training part of the job, and also check in on you every once in a while, make sure everything is going well on the job. So I definitely recommend Oh yeah, I'll I'll definitely, most likely consider looking for those, like when my time does come for that, when I graduate from school, so. I would would say, go ahead and start looking now, because the earlier you do it, the better, the better information they'll have, and the more resources they can give you. Don't put it off. Yeah. And would you would you would you tell other people other people that too? Recommend? That? I would. Yeah. Now, of course, with me, because I want to be able to do like a like a summer like a, I'm actually in the middle of looking for options for summer internships because I want to have that experience. And so far, I have one option. So like when I like around like the middle of the winter or like for the spring, I can like contact this location and ask them like if they're like gonna have any openings for internships and I'll see if I can get into it and then I'll look for more options between now and maybe like middle of February or so because I want to have like a summer job I think that'd be fun like what kind of summer internships 
would you be interested in doing? Mainly dealing with kids because I'm studying early childhood education. So one of them, one of the only options I have right now that I'm gonna eventually contact them with when it's like not around the cold winter times. It's a, it's a YMCA that's nearby my, my house actually, where kids would go out there for swimming and stuff and basically being interrupted with children there. That'd be fun. So, so you're basically interested in working with kids and youth? Yeah, so like preschool, toddlers, or at least five or six year olds. Yeah, that'd be fun for me. Yeah, you, you sound like the type of person that that'd be good for that work too. Thank you. Like your personality and attitude. Thank you. I appreciate that. And what made you interested in that? Believe it or not, as I was growing up, I always wanted to teach middle school math. But over time, as I got into high school, someone actually asked me, "Are you sure you want to teach middle school?" Because during that time, the kids are going through puberty and changes, and sometimes they could be jerks. And I said. Well, hey, I said, well, hey, high schoolers are jerks, so, which they are. Good point. They, I, I mean, good I'm not point. a high, I wasn't a high school jerk. I, I was dedicated to school. Just, but they're, but high schoolers are jerks too. So I'm like, okay. So I decided to like go down a few levels and said, hey, I think it'd be fun. It'd be a lot of work, but I'll, uh, I have something to do. I have something to do. I'll be on my feet. So that's why, how I got into that. To, to finish this conversation off, do you have any last minute tips that you would give to people to be comfortable in life, just like school and work or life period? So to, in life in general, I would consider um, going blind or being visually impaired is not a, is not a negative thing. It is a motivation. So it, it, it makes you stop and think what can I do? How can I do it? Who can I ask? Like, like it, it gives you the chance to ask all those questions and for you to, to practice problem solving skills, self advocating, all, all, all the lovely things in the world. So being blind is, it's not terrible. Of course, at first, if like, if you're growing up or, or however old you are and you lose your vision, yeah, it'll be terrifying because you're like, I never imagined me losing my vision in my life. That's how I felt. But now I'm in college, I'm in my second year, and I have my own YouTube channel, which is Talented HV, where I do song covers, mainly of pop music from 2010 until now. Of course, any decade, any decade between like the 2000, 2000 and now would be fine too. And I also write my own songs. I do this segment called General Topics, where we talk about anything that's um, informative. And I also have anyone that comes on my channel to promote their YouTube channel for an interview segment. So that's part of my free time. And I also write my own books and plays and stuff because I'm motivated to do so. So again, motivation is key, whether if you're blind or not. And if you do become blind in life, just take one step at a time. You'll be fine. Thank you so much for being a part of my Thank podcast you. today, Haley. I really appreciate it. Look forward to yes, the next we'll see you guys in the next one. All right.